Shit Bad Podcast. Celebrating the mistakes that all parents make. You're listening to the Shit Dad Podcast. G'day, g'day. Welcome to episode 54 of the Shit Dad Podcast, where we normalise those parenting mistakes and breaks while talking all things fatherhood. I am Nick, married father of a three, five and a seven-year-old, and you wouldn't read about it. 54 episodes in, and it's taken this long to do a Dave. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done any prep for my intros. (laughs) You've done well, mate. 54. I think I did it on episode one. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm Dave, father of two gorgeous girls, um, and this guy is about to sleep in two-hour little segments because I'm on holidays, and I'll be following Heidi, the five-month-old, um, in every nap opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, and g'day, I'm Cam, father to a four-year-old and a two-year-old, uh, and my kids and I got chased by a goose at a farm this morning. Oh, you, they got you? Full on flying at us, like, you know, across the oval. There was two of them. And awesome. They, yeah, they were, they were nipping at me, so. Bit um, of con- yeah, a bit of context. Yeah, there. context. <laughs> we're at a farm stay on the weekend, a few families. Uh, huge, you know, huge amount of different animals. And I, I decided to mention the goose as well. Not, not only because it attacked me, but because uh, obviously due to our guest today as well, yeah. having written a book about it. Um, so I'd like to introduce all of our listeners to uh, Scott Stewart, father of one, best-selling kids author, illustrator and advocate for parenting beyond gender stereotypes. He's the author of several titles including How to Be a Real Man, My Shadow is Pink, A Pickle in the Post and Who's a Goose? Uh, we have been looking forward to this one for a while, mate. How are you going? Look at him, he's I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'm an author, so I don't need to like talk about myself very much. You know, um, so hearing bios is always the most awkward part for me. <laughs> I'm great. I'm super excited to be here. Now you're based in Sydney, is that right? Melbourne. I'm Melbourne. Melbourne. Okay, cool. Now thanks for yeah. dialing in. So um, we're going to obviously be uh, recording on the phone, and we're going to putting out some snippets on the socials. Um, so yep, thanks, for, thanks for joining. Um, and we'll get into your story in a moment. But before then. Yeah, let's kick it off with some um, dad jokes. Let's mm. do it. Scott, okay. do you want to go first? Yeah, guess first. Do you want me to do the one I told you before? Yeah, yeah please. Yeah, yeah redo yeah. it for the, the, the podcast. And yeah. then we'll <laughs> laugh. <laughs> what do you call a fish with no eyes? A no eye fish? It is a fish. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. Dave. Oh, mine. Um, you know how the scuba divers, you know, face forward into the boat and then fall backwards. You ever wonder why? <laughs> why? Oh, because if they do it the other way, they fall into the boat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you call a dog that does magic? What? Magic what? dog? A labracadabrador. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh. pretty good. Oh, that's really yeah, good. Yeah, good. I like it. Welcome to Dad's Corner, where we give a shout out to worthy causes and support services for men and dads all over the world. If you know a group that has helped you or is a great cause, let us know on Instagram, at shitdadpod. Check out Australian Dads Network on Facebook. Liam and his team have created an unrivaled network of dads who stand as a beacon of support for those men in a dark place, or hype guys for those blokes who have achieved even the smallest win in their fatherhood journey. Check them out at Australian Dads Network on Facebook. If you're a tradie, wrap your lugs around our chat with Shannon from Trademart in episode 53 and get involved to help the amazing charity TX or This Is A Conversation Starter and start those important conversations with a Larry shirt or cap. And finally, support the guys who keep us clothed, otherwise we'd be sitting around in the skin. 
Smashing fibers, lightweight, easy breathe, active wear, or everyday casuals. You'll struggle to find a better fit anywhere. And right now, all teas and tanks are only $10. No code, no excuses. Visit smashingfibers.com.au right this second while you're listening to us have a dirty old yarn. That's Dad's Corner. We had, obviously, a guest from Trademark last week, so we were, a few of us have got the new shirts delivered and rocking them, and yep. we've got our camel toe socks as well, which we were rocking on the weekend so around the campfire. So good. Oh, my God. I wore them at school on Friday. <laughs> and just, I just took my shoes off just deliberately just so I could actually, so everyone could see. For anyone who doesn't know what a camel toe sock is that from last week's episode, it's got the um, like the big toe and then all four toes in separate areas, so you can, put, you can go from work boots to pluggers seamlessly. Is that comfortable? It's Amazing. Very comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Let me show you. Surprisingly comfortable. Oh, Cam's going to get him oh, out. Yeah. Get your camel toe out, Cam. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, definitely to get onto it. But look, while we're on that note, um, sharing everything we've got, why doesn't everyone jump on in our, our socials? Give us a follow, subscribe wherever you get our podcasts from. Um, give us five stars on Spotify. And um, if you want to get involved in the show, make sure you uh, call us on their shit dad share line on 07 30 We're um, open to any call, funny stories, dad jokes, shout out to a great men's health cause, or literally if you just want to vent on the way home and you don't think anyone's going to listen to you, it's there for you guys. 30-40-95-45. It's actually surprisingly easy to remember now I've said it a million times. We'll have to do the song still though. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. It's not That's as a number that deserves the song. Yeah. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's got that feel to it. It's not quite as good as 13-13-32, but it's getting, I reckon it's <laughs> close. Well, we do have an author on tonight, so maybe he can have a yeah, thing for us. And, uh, check I'm not it out. a songwriter. <laughs> Some creative juices flowing. Come on, mate. We, we're, I've read good this book, so you got it. <laughs> right, let's get into... Uh, so a listener email that we caught up this week. It's a it's a short one, but it's a good one, and I thought it was good to share. Uh, if you do, as Dave said before, have anything you'd like to share with the podcast, get in touch with us at ShitDadPod. We've got one from Vince here. He says, hey, fellas, long-time listener, first-time caller. Legends, wasn't going to do this, but it's quite a funny yarn. I was in the pool with my three-year-old boy last summer, one of those little kiddie pools, just chilling out on a hot day. Turned my head to have a swig of beer, as you do, so I felt something strange and turned back to my boy, who casually had his pants down and Willie touching my belly button. He was cracking himself laughing, but needless to say, I was fairly surprised and pushed him off me in a confused rush, and he went straight under the water. Needless to say, pretty shit dad moment there. Anyway, guys, keep up the good work. Love hearing from you guys weekly. <laughs> Cheers, Vince. <laughs> that would catch you off guard to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> The less said about that, but the better. But <laughs> yeah. thanks, thanks, Vince. So that was a good one. Eh? Uh, keep keep them coming in. That's cool. that's really good. But um, so let's get more about you, Scott. So before we get started, do you have any good uh, little projects coming up that you'd want to share? Or um, I uh, I have a, a consistent problem in that I say yes to almost everything, and so uh, to say I have a few projects coming up is a massive understatement. I just have. So many things happening. But yeah, I've got a bunch of books coming up. Um, another book coming out in a month or so, four or five coming out next year, um, few the next, the year after that. Uh, 
yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff uh, coming up, uh, but mostly just books, 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 writing like crazy. Well, that's really good to hear because when uh, I told you, I told my missus that we were talking to you tonight, she went and bought your whole work. So uh, <laughs> that'll give her something to <laughs> something to buy next year as well. The collection is starting to get a bit bigger, so uh, I apologise to your wallet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for that. No, that's all good. The kids will love it, though, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, what was the motivation behind the shadow books, may I ask? Yeah, so when uh, when my son was around three, four years old, uh, he had just really fallen in love with Queen Elsa, as as everybody did at that time. Elsa was amazing and like shiny, blue, magical, ice. What's there not to love? Um, and he was so infatuated with her, but he had this Elsa doll that he used to take everywhere, and he was wildly proud of it. He used to stop people in the street to show them this doll. He just loved it so, so much. And one day he wanted to take it to daycare, to childcare. And he went with it. He was really excited to show it off to everybody in his, you call daycare class, but like in his group, you know. Flock. Um, <laughs> yeah. And he came home that evening totally distraught, totally upset uh, because somebody, not a child, an educator, had told him that Elsa was for girls and so he shouldn't like it. Um, and so we you know, went through that situation. But then that night, uh, once he was in bed, you know, I started to look for media, you know, look for book shows that depicted a young boy like, who liked things that we've culturally deemed feminine, you know, um, and it was pretty hard to find. I found like three or four books of which two or three of them, the message in the end was, well, just change what you like and everybody will like you. you know? oh. And it just seemed like such a strange message to me, you know. Um, and so that night I sat down and I wrote the very first unbelievably terrible draft of uh, My Shadow is Pink. And then four years later, it finally you know, got onto shelf and around the world and into multiple translations and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, it was uh, it all came from from that moment from somebody saying those words to him. Uh, and me, like I grew up in a really, really rigid definition of masculinity. My dad, you know, grew up on a sheep station. I rode his horse everywhere. You know, he was. He was the dude who he came down to visit me in Melbourne and we were sitting on a train and a man got onto the train with an earring and my dad nudged me and was like, Scott, check out this place. (laughs) (laughs) So foreign to him, you know? Uh, And so when, you know, my son was really into Elsa, like it was initially challenging to me, you know, and the things that I had grown up with. But the fact that I couldn't find any media kind of depicting this in a positive light, you know, it really needed to change. So I did it. Amazing. <laughs> and do you, you've obviously got a few extra books uh, behind you there as well in, in the the what, what would you call it? The artist works or something? The yeah. collection? Collection. Anyway, we'll go with the collection. Um, do, do they all cover gender fluidity as well or is it uh, just the, the shadow books? No, so the shadow books are, are around. So it's My Shadow is Pink, My Shadow is Purple. I'm working on a third one at the moment. Uh, but they're really about gender and gender stereotypes and you know, how we depict those things. 
Um, but yeah, there's a whole collection. There's a book called The Very First You, which is all about the individual individuality of you. You, know, you. you, I read this amazing thing once, which kind of blew my mind, which was that never in the entire history of humanity has anyone ever had the exact same tone of voice as you. you know? And it just kind of blew me away that how in the billions of people that have ever existed, you know, we are the very first we're the very first you and so it's just a book about a celebration of all that and then I've got things like how to be a real man which is you know my thoughts on modern masculinity who's a goose which is just totally fun and joking alone which is all about you know loneliness and dealing with that you know from my son's first day at school um a lot of different things uh but a lot of it comes from moments with my son you know as inspiration uh things that he's struggled with things that he's afraid of uh, and kind of putting them into a form that hopefully can help a whole lot of people. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think we'll deep dive into a fair bit of that stuff because um, I'd love to learn a little bit more about all um, the background behind it all. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we've, we'll, let's get into the, uh, the Scots fatherhood yarn with Cam. Yeah, so um, I guess a good starting point is tell us a bit about y- yourself and your family um, before we get into, you know, your work. Yeah, so uh, as I said, my dad is, you know, the, the ultimate man's man. You know, almost every story I have of him when he was a kid, when it was him driving in a ute that's full of TNT with all the boys, like, <laughs> drinking in you know, his and, you know, uh, that the time that, like, he broke his leg, you know, on a railway when he snuck out of boarding school and had to go on those old school, like, railway pumper things. You know, <laughs> all the way back to the nurse and, but basically, you know, he's all- Elmer Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> basically, you know, uh, and, uh, and then my mum is the absolute polar, complete opposite. You know, she's the very refined almost English accent, kind of Australian North Shore of Sydney, you know, woman. Uh, and so they kind of had this very interesting marriage, um, which, uh, you know, my childhood was bouncing between I'm living in the country because that's where dad's happy. Well, a year later, we're moving to the city because that's where mum's happy. And then we're moving back and then back and back. And so my whole childhood was just bouncing, you know, back and forward between country and city. Um, and you know, but my, my, my dad, who was the, the very conservative man, you know, it's, I've, I've discovered in later life, you know, now he's 70 odd, he has become a very kind of progressive man in terms of like, he just accepts anybody and anything. He doesn't care. Just do your own thing. I don't care. Nothing bothers me, you know, which is a complete surprise to me since I did not grow up with a dad like that. Wow. Uh, and my mum kind of was the opposite. You know, she was the ultimate feminist. You know, she was like marching for things and, you know, all that sort of stuff when she was younger. And then she was the one that we had, you know, problems with when my son was breaking gender stereotypes, you know. Right. Uh, so I had a very interesting uh, varied childhood where I had to learn to make friends fast and how to say goodbye to them. <laughs> uh, and also how to deal with, you know, when you've got two massive polar opposites married to each other, you've got to learn how to, you know, like, hear fighting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, so I had an interesting childhood, but, uh, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun too. Do you think – oh, sorry, Cam. I was just going to ask. Do you think your um, your dad 
became that way after your son started breaking down that gender fluidity or do you think you rubbed off on him in any way or is he just not giving a shit later in life? Yeah, so he was the person that I was most afraid to kind of turn up with uh, when you know, my son was at, there was one stage where he was wearing like an Elsa dress like almost every day. You know how they go through a favorite costume? Yeah. Kind of thing. And so that was his favorite costume. And uh, I, he lives in Queensland, we're in Melbourne. And so we were flying up to visit him over Christmas. You know, and uh, I had been building this up in my head for a month. You know, I'd been practicing the situation. Well, if he says this, then I'm going to say that. And then, you know, I'm going to pull my son out of the room and then we're going to deal with it this way. And, you know, all these sorts of things. Uh, we walk in the door and my heart is like pounding like crazy, you know, uh, that I'm going to have to deal with some of the stuff that we've had to deal with as a family, but from now within my own family. Um, and uh, we open up the door, walked inside. And my dad just looks up and he goes, hey, buddy, nice dress. So what's been happening? And that was it. (laughs) I think that just as he has gotten older, he has just kind of let go of any of his preconceived notions. He just wants to chill out. And if he's chilled out, everybody else can do their thing. Who cares? uh, And that's maybe a really beautiful place to be. Yeah. How did how did that um, your childhood then shape how the kind of dad that you wanted to become? Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I grew up like my dad. Uh, if we hang out together, uh, and he says six words, we've had an in-depth conversation. <laughs> you know, uh, he's he's not a talker. Yeah, you know, he's he's definitely one of those you know old school country boys. Um, and uh, he also. Uh, growing up, it was very rare for me to hear the words, I love you. Um, it was very rare for me to see any emotion being shown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I didn't really want that for my son, you know, because I know what that kind of did for me. That made me grow up like, finding it very hard to cry unless it's, like bing bong disappearing in inside out or something. You know, I find it very hard. <laughs> Don't to, bring it up again. To, that was dramatic. <laughs> you know, I, I find it very hard to cry in about real life. You know, um, I keep my emotions in a lot, way more than is healthy. Um, and you, know, I, I wanted to really change that. One of the things that my son and I have is we have this sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly, sometimes not. Uh, night, which we just call Ask Dad Anything, where we sit down and he asks me anything, you know, and sometimes it's, why are the clouds white? Why is the sky blue? And sometimes he comes out of nowhere with, Dad, why do I never see you cry? You know, um, and he hits me these really kind of profound questions um, that don't seem profound to him, but to me, they really make me unpack my whole life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I would really love him to feel extraordinarily loved, uh, very free to be himself and to express himself. And if we can get those three things right, you know, they're three things that I didn't have. And I would really love him to grow up with those three things. Can you cast your mind back to the start? Your, your wife, she's, she's pregnant. Uh, how did that first kind of pregnancy and, you know, the first early stages of your son kind of go? Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, we, we were deliberately trying to get pregnant. 
Um, and so we were pumped, you know, we were very, very excited. I was terrified, you know, uh, but I was very fortunate to have one of my friends who had a very, very honest conversation with me. And I think a very unusually honest kind of rare conversation uh, that we don't often have, you know, together. And he kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, congratulations. This is so cool. I want to tell you just some stuff that I wish I had been told, uh, you know, that if I had been told these things, like it might've made my time a little bit easier, you know? Um, and he was just telling me stuff like, you know, recording when, in progress. I'm just getting notifications, uh, from the, from zoom. Um, you know, he told me things like, uh, when, his daughter was born. It took him three months before he felt any love for her. Uh, you know, and, uh, he told me, you know, his, you know about his wife having, um, postpartum depression and, yep. you know, all these things that we don't talk about much, you know, and it just kind of grounded this whole thing in a little bit of reality, you know, and it took away this, I took away that thing where, well, everything's going to be perfect and, you know, I'm going to love this child from the instant I see them and we're just going to be one big happy family. And it just kind of gave me a little bit of reality of, you know what, things might not be perfect. Things might be look a little bit different. Um, and however that looks is totally okay because that's the journey they had. And you know, so uh, that kind of took away all my fear for that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, then from then, you know, it was, it was just a, a roller coaster ride of my wife was, uh, addicted to 3am Coke, like Coca-Cola. <laughs> and so being in the city in Melbourne meant that the stores were open. Yeah. And so a lot of like late night, you know, grocery store runs and things like that. But yeah, it was, we were just absolutely really excited, really pumped, you know, to be pregnant. That's awesome. Um, and how do you think you adapted to fatherhood uh, in that first, you know, year or two? Uh, I loved it. I still love it. Um, you know what's really funny is I, I, a lot of my friends who are also parents think I'm ridiculous for saying this, but one of my favorite times that I kind of actually miss uh, is that 3 a.m. wake up you know, with the baby. Um, and I only say that because it's kind of this like rare, special, just you and them time where it's just, you know, you're just kind of doing your thing and connecting. And um, I kind of miss that time. I enjoy my sleep, you know, um, so I don't necessarily think I want to go back to it. You know, but every kind of step along the way, I've really, really enjoyed. Um, we definitely struggled, you know, with a few things, you know, uh, you know, every parent I think is like, you know, our, our kids not walking soon enough or not crawling soon enough, or they're not talking soon enough, or that kid over there can do other things. Like what's you know, there must be a problem. Um, <laughs> you know, so we definitely had that. Um, but you know, I, uh, I just loved every part of it. Um, and, I definitely struggled because I worked from home and uh, I already find it extraordinarily difficult to stay on 
on target, yeah. you know. Um, and so when I had this ultimate distraction, you know, thing in front of me, uh, I would be on massive deadline and I'd be there playing trains. And, <laughs> you know, so uh, business definitely suffered, uh, but I loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, nice. They're the best time wasters ever. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I've just gone through that early stage. Little one's five months old and I just, yeah, same thing. Not so much. I love those three AM ones. Maybe more yeah. five, <laughs> five, you know, five like thirty. I'm kind of getting up ready <laughs> anyway. I didn't like them at the time, but yeah. now I look back and I'm like, oh, that was so, like, yeah. they were so sweet. Just, yeah. Yeah. The best cuddles when they're half asleep and yeah. they, they, yeah, they just want dad or mum. Yeah, they just exactly. fit, just fit so well to sit on the chest too. It's just mm. yeah, little koala yeah. cuddles. Yeah. Well, but, so my wife and I, we uh, we had a really interesting conversation very very early. You know, we said, what are you good at and what am I good at, you know? And so how can we kind of like be partners in this and try and like work to each other's strengths? Uh, and uh, one of the things that we asked each other was who's better at very little sleep? And the resounding obvious answer was I am much better with less sleep. Uh, and so we generally did like a seven to seven kind of split schedule so, like, she did a lot of the 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and I did most of the 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Um, and so I was very motivated to get consistent full night sleeping happening yep, <laughs> you know, <definitely>. quickly. So. <laughs> I get it. I've, I've Actually, I worked with someone who was like that too with early bud, but, you know, like after 4 a.m., it was his shift kind of thing, like because it was early enough him to get up but still yep. be able to function at work and then, mm-hmm. you know, until whatever, 10 o'clock it was, his time and then that 10 till 4 kind of was, you know, was the wife at home, you know, still with two kids. Yep. But, yeah, it, he said it was the greatest thing ever because he just knew what was happening and, mm. yeah. Yeah, there was never, you know, for us there was never any question of, well, you're not helping enough during this, you're not doing this, you're not, like we just, we kind of had these very defined roles, yeah. you know, and like, obviously we would help during yeah. other times. You like, I would help during the day, you know, Mel would help during the night, you know, uh, I'm on we break. Kind of had, <laughs> but we kind of had this, like, we kind of owned this time period, yeah, you know, yeah. we both had these kind of, you know, times that were us unless we needed help, you know, and so it just made it very, very easy to kind of know what's going on, uh, to kind of plan around it. Oh, you know, I'm taking over now. You know, there was never any concern around that. You know, uh, it just made like our relationship mm. really easy in those early stages of parenting. And then that's good because it I shows. Which I think it really challenged during those early stages oh, yeah, of parenting. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. But it really you know, took some of that pressure off. Yeah, and it shows there's no like there's no right or wrong way to do things. You do what works for you and what works for the relationship. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Some great advice for some of our upcoming dads and early dads too that listen to us. So, mate, um, what's your favourite way to bond with a young fella? Uh, oh man, so uh, I've got a few, uh, but uh, we have, uh, so, so there's like semi-distracted bonding, uh, which I think is really, really important. And there's like fully kind of engaged bonding. You know, I think both are like wildly important. Semi-distracted bonding 
for me is so important because it allows us to talk about things. Your, uh, your problems at school, uh, things you're feeling, because you're not looking each other in the eye mm-hmm. and talking about like your deepest struggle right now. Like you're chopping up vegetables you know, and you can just kind of talk while these things, it makes it super easy. So I love semi-distracted bonding and our favorite thing for that is cooking together. Mm-hmm. Um, so when my son was about four, he started cooking about once a week uh, and the food wasn't great, uh, <laughs> but you know, he kept doing it and you know, now he's pretty great at it. You know? And so we kind of, you know, we play our roles. We're two chefs. You know, we go into the kitchen and we, we create together and it's this really awesome semi-distracted time where, we get to talk, you know. Cool. Um, and then my my other favorite kind of bonding time is he and I just love, love, love books and movies. You know, um, I and I am a huge, I'm hugely into animated movies. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I we really get into that. We really get into books. You know, every night we read together. Um, like I do, like bed bedtime every night where. Like we start a new book and we read through that together. Um, and it's just really, really beautiful times. You know? And sometimes when I'm really, really busy, you know, I've got to, I can't, you know, do much. I can't engage much, but we kind of had those sacred moments where like I do bedtime reading you know, and we will find time, not every night, obviously, but we'll find time for a movie at some point. And they're just kind of our, our things. Like we go to the cinema times together. Um, so yeah, they're, they're probably my favorite, my favorite bonding things, movies, books and cooking. Strangely. That's great. Amazing. Yeah. But um, what about your go-to mental escape when uh, things get too much or, you know, your schedule's crazy? Yeah. <laughs> Apart from the bonding things that you do, it sounds like they're great escapes from, you know, but for you personally. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, look, this is something that's kind of dropped away a little bit recently in, in all honesty, uh, and I have been uh, – really dying for (laughs) some of it uh not so much like an escape from your family or anything like that but just kind of dying for just some of like my own your thing um and but usually what it is is you know i i love to to read and you know all those sorts of things but those things get very uh distracted you know at home Mm um uh i love rock climbing uh you know i i indoor rock climbing I've never done it outside okay. rock climbing indoors <laughs> uh, and um, I was uh, my wife and I were professional dancers for a very long time um, and so uh, I love getting to a dance class a swing dance class which is like partner mm. dancing um, and doing that so they're probably my two big escapes but recently in recent times probably like the last year when things have gotten really really busy maybe even the last two years goodness um, it's uh, it's kind of been Bed, wake up, work, 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 family, work, work, family, make dinner, bedtime, bit more work, you know, then bed, you know. So uh, I do really, really need to get back to it because, I mean, mental health is so much better when I when I have those, like, me time things going on. So. Yeah, I think we, we've discussed that a few times. As you know, like, it's it makes you the better the better you um, so you can be the better better father, better husband, you know, whatever it is, you know, better yeah. author, illustrator. So that kind of brings us on to this one. We do something that's called the, the fatherhood workbench where you try to make yourself that 1% better 
um, each day, you know, or each week is what we try to do. What does that look like for you? Yeah. Uh, so I am, I am really, really eager to become the best dad I can be. Uh, I, like, I have read a ton of books, I've done courses. You, know, I'm very, very kind of passionate about being a dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the thing that I am constantly, always trying to get better at is, um, I guess you'd call it like unparenting <laughs> yourself uh, from all the uh, belief systems and discomforts and things that I grew up uh, kind of indoctrinated into myself uh, and trying to find things that I am teaching my son unconsciously, um, like just through modeling, which is our biggest teacher of parents, um, trying to find those things and asking the conscious question, you know, is this something I actually want to teach him? And it's often no, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like the way that I uh, deal with my emotions, I don't want to teach him that. And so I'm constantly trying to change that for him, trying to model different things. Uh, I am, uh, one great example is, you know, I want him to grow up with a very balanced sense of uh, domestic duties. Uh, I don't want him to grow up uh, thinking that it is a woman's place to do all the housework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, I do 50% of everything in the house, but it took me a while to realize I was doing all that after he went to bed. And so all oh, he yeah. really saw was, you know, uh, we'd get up, we'd have fun, we'd be playing, you know, uh, my wife would be like, you know, doing some chores and stuff and he'd go to bed and then I would do it all. And he's just like, dad's having fun oh, and mom's in you know, doing everything. You know? And so it was like a very conscious kind of withdrawing, you know, from those playtimes to actively show him, you know, that I'm doing these things. Um, so yeah, just trying to find those unconscious behaviors and make them a little bit more conscious, which is possibly the hardest way to be better as a, as a person and a parent. Um, but I'm yeah, definitely always, always looking for those ways. I saw a video on your Instagram, um, today when I was just having a a quick squeeze through to, for anything that we would benefit, well, us and our listeners would benefit from. And, basically all of it. So if anyone wants to follow Scott Creates on Instagram, get into it. Um, But I I saw this one thing and it was how to make my son love his body or something. Um, Or uh, how how can I teach my son to love his body? Um, And I just loved the, some of the phrases that you were using instead of like, um, oh, they look different, like they look good. Or I I used to have a six pack. So I, I loved how I used to look. Uh, you're using things, phrases like, I love waking up feeling so good after a good night's sleep and I love uh, the feeling of how I feel after eating like a big healthy dinner or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I just I feel like that's so important um, and it's something yeah. that we should definitely be making an effort to change now. our this daily life. This has been life. really uh, on my mind a lot recently. Uh, firstly, because um, uh, we have just today finished an eight-week Health challenge, you yeah. know, 
very strict health challenge. And so today was the first day I had like chocolate and honestly, I feel crap. I thought, <laughs> thought I saw a Macca's Sunday in the background there. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, definitely felt healthier yesterday than I do today. Um, you know, but it's been on our mind, you know, because we, you know, I, I grew up, um, I think in that video, I referenced the fact that, you know, when I was 20, I was, I was an athlete, you know, I was trying to become a pre- professional rugby player at the time. Um, I was playing for Queensland country stuff and, um, and, you know, I had the, like the body that most dudes at that time at least really wanted. Like I had a, I had a six pack, I was quite muscly. Um, but I hated my body. You know, I wouldn't take my shirt off at the beach. You know, even though I was easily the like most subjectively like ripped dude there, like I I didn't want to take my shirt off at the beach. Like I was just very shame driven. Um, and I really want my son to really love his body, you know, uh, and not have that as a driving force, you know, to stop him doing things, you know, because I think that's one of the biggest things that happens is when we feel shame about something, it stops us doing the things that we really, really want to do. Yeah. Um, and so we've been very conscious about during this health challenge, uh, not talking about weight, um, even though my wife and I have been losing weight, you know, and uh, there's been a level of excitement around you know, fitting into non-elasticized clothes that I own and <laughs> things like that, um, but very conscious around talking about how much better we feel um how much more energy we have for playtime, uh, you know, how, del- del- how honestly more delicious most of the meals are um, and trying to reframe everything so that it's actually positive yep. rather than negative. You know, so we're not talking about what we're going to lose. We're not talking about, oh, I want to lose some weight. You know, I want to, you know, we're talking about, oh, I just want to gain more energy. I want to, you know, I want to feel, I want to wake up like actually like kind of bouncing out of bed rather than like, oh my God, another 6am, you know, um, like uh, that's the things that we're really talking about to try and change that. I was in, uh, I was part of a documentary recently um, that w- it's called Embrace Kids. It's all about, you know, um, kids and body image. And some of the stats that they talk about that are unbelievable. And I've run you know, things on my Instagram and stuff as well, where three quarters of children already hate their bodies. You know, uh, okay. I did a thing on my Instagram, which was, I just asked you, know, when you were a kid, did you like your body? And like 80% of people said no. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it blows my mind. And a lot of the time we think very strongly about this, about girls. You know, girls grow up with you know, um, body dysmorphia and you know, shame around their bodies because of culture telling them all these things. But these things are happening for boys too. You know, almost... Almost every guy I know, you know, there's a few exceptions, but almost every, and funnily enough, the exceptions are generally not the really ripped dudes, uh, but almost every guy I know has some kind of embarrassment or shame around some part of their body. You know, um, and so tackling that early, I think is one of the only ways that we can tackle it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, really hard for me as a 38 year old to suddenly love my body. <laughs> How am I supposed to do that? But if I'm never taught it in the first place to hate my body, then life becomes very, very different. And I think it'd be very interesting to see a world where people don't have these internalized shames 
you know, don't have this shaming kind of being internalized from a really young age um, where they're actually able to go out and express and be and do uh, just from their heart rather than from fear. Mm. Um, and so that's, yeah, a lot of what I am trying to at least you know, somehow help people with. Yeah, that's so valuable, mate. I really appreciate that. That's um, definitely something that we should all be pushing on our kids as well. So love it. Um, let's get back to you, how you parent your young fella. You said um, your mum and dad used to be polar opposites, uh, which yeah. probably changed how they parented you. Does it? How, do you, how does your parenting style differ to your wife's? Lots of ways, you know. Um, I think she is way better than me at some things, and I think I'm way better than her at some things. Uh, you know, we do things really, really differently. Um, so, firstly, my wife is Latina. Um, she was born in Argentina. She was raised in the USA. So, she has a very different idea of uh, culture and um, she was raised as a minority in a really racist society and was like subject to a lot of that racism as a kid who couldn't speak English in America, you know? Right. So, um, and you know, her child, like our son is basically a little white kid, you know? Uh, yeah. nobody would ever think that he's, you know, got a, a Latin mom, you know? And so, you know, she teaches him. Uh, as she has a lot of things around that, that stem from that background, yeah. you know, uh, a lot of things about uh, how men treat women, you know, and how people treat, you know, people who are the other. Um, and I did not have that background. Yeah. You know, I, I, so um, I grew up as a straight white dude, you know, in one of the best, you know, most chilled out countries on earth, yeah. you know, um, so we have very, very different kind of backgrounds when it comes to uh, trauma, you know, and trauma drives so much of our parenting. Um, and so, like, I am much more patient. Uh, and so when things are getting heated and frustrating, uh, I am often the one to kind of stay in the conversation, yeah. you know, whereas uh, my wife is often the one to to leave uh, deliberately, not like she storms out or anything, <laughs> but it's kind of like we've kind of developed this understanding that, you know, I have more patience for these moments. Um, uh, I, I think that uh, we parent in so many different ways. Uh, it's funny because I always thought that two people who are ma- who or, or just together who are raising a child or even if they're not together would generally have kind of the exact same parenting styles, uh, but we're totally different. Mm-hmm. Like we handle conflict totally differently. Uh, if my son is being bullied or something like that, my wife is like gearing up, you know, yeah. to, like, <laughs> who are we taking out? <laughs> and name them all and we will get them all. You know, And I'm much more like, okay, how do we feel about this? How can we like handle this? You know, uh, you know, so, um, yeah. Oh my goodness. In everything. It's so, it's almost hard to think of ways that we're different because there's so many ways they're different. But when my son was first born, we, uh, we sat down and, uh, we said, we had a very deliberate conversation. Uh, what are the things that we want to instill 
in our funds so that we're aligned on the big picture. Yeah. Um, and we both were very aligned on we want him to grow up being completely himself and it's our role to find his spark, whatever that is, and help that shine as brightly as possible. Uh, that was the one like big thing that we were just totally aligned on that we both wanted to have happen. Uh, and that's kind of been our guidepost, you know, while we're both off like pushing things in very different directions, you know, that's the one thing that keeps us like really aligned in parenting. Um, but oh my goodness, you know, the way we talk about like people to the way we uh, handle frustrations of clothes being left on my side of the bed to, um, you know, everything. It, we're just totally different. You that's know? great. Well, they obviously complement each other anyway. Usually. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Hey, um, I just wanted to know um, when it comes to, since you are so different, when it comes to setting boundaries, what, uh, how strict are you compared to your missus as well? Uh, we're very aligned on a few things. You know, we don't believe in... Um, like physical punishment. We don't believe in spanking uh, you know, and things like that. Uh, so we're very aligned on, on that. Uh, we, and, but we will discipline differently, you know? Um, and especially when, you know, those days when you're super frustrated, not necessarily at your, your child or your children, but you're frustrated at just the freaking world. You know, and so, and the, the thing that happens is you take that frustration out on the people that are closest to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when that's happening, you know, we parent wildly differently. Um, and we kind of have a thing where we try to find one of us that can like, not so much rein the other in, but like push them out of the room you know, to then be the voice of reason. And it doesn't always kind of work out that way, but, um, yeah, in terms of boundaries, um, while you're thinking about that, I, may, may I make a suggestion for your next book? My shadow is red for parenting <laughs> <laughs> all the parents out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah look, um, we are quite different in terms of. Uh, because of our upbringing, my wife is very, very uh, interested in raising our son to be extraordinarily respectful of women, uh, extraordinarily aware of racial uh, and social kind of differences mm -hmm. and things like that. And sometimes those bleed into, um, you know, you can't do this thing, you can't speak to me this way, you can't, you do this, this, this. Uh, and because I don't have that upbringing, uh, I am often a little bit more like, well, you know, he said that, but it's not that big of a deal. You know, we'll deal with that next time. Yeah. You know, um, so we are different in terms of boundaries of, I guess what you'd call like those, those small behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, but we are extraordinarily similar on the big picture uh, boundary setting. We handle them. We handle it differently. Like uh, uh, one of us is probably more likely to yell. One of us is more likely to, uh, 
kind of storm out of the room. Uh, one of us is more likely to probably uh, do a little bit of low-level shaming. Uh, one of us is probably more likely to get um, wildly frustrated. Uh, you know, but uh, we've tried to make sure that we're able to counteract that. You know, for example, if I'm pissed, you know, and I yell, um, which doesn't happen often because I'm pretty chilled out, you know, but if I'm pissed and I yell, you know, my wife goes in straight away and, you know, they have a big, deep conversation about it and, like, daddy's, you know, acted that way because of this, you know, mm-hmm. but you've caused this um, and vice versa. Like, we always have someone going in afterwards to kind of be the bigger person. Um, cause one thing that we don't like my, my parents would have these huge freaking fights, uh, and everything would be unresolved. And I'd just be left outside, you know, just hearing this fight. And then, and like she grew up in a similar you know, environment. Um, and neither of us want that. We want an adult to like show adult control of their emotions <laughs> and walk in and demonstrate that to the not adult. Um, and sometimes it's wildly difficult to do that and we do it imperfectly, uh, but we try, which I think is the most important. I think we all get caught up in that at moments, don't we, where uh, you just, you try so hard to be mature, but then you just slide on down to their level and (laughs) and all of a sudden you're having a stand-up argument with a seven-year-old you're like, wait a minute. And then you've got to sit back and think, am I like – Am I really like you know yeah. so angry at this like four year old who yeah. literally doesn't understand any of this? No. Like they just wanted to draw, like yeah. you know. And yeah, I remember I was at a play center and a, a like this kid who was like four or five punched my son, and this was when he was like two or three years old. And uh, I was so pissed at this child, um, and I walked over to my wife and I said, "I'm kind of." struggling to reconcile the fact that I actively hate a five-year-old. <laughs> 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 like, I get that they're five years old, that none of this is, like, conscious thought, but I hate this. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, totally get that. Hey, we really haven't deep-dived as, as much as I thought we would into the masculinity side of things um, and sort of pushing into your uh, your projects and your books and things like that. Um, but I have noticed on your socials, you really push, um, ways for like dads to show that masculinity in a way that it's not toxic and it's, you you can sort of still embrace, um, what your kid's comfortable doing. So like wearing your dress to the same dress as your kid in public to sort of just show him that you're comfortable with that and he should be comfortable with it too. But for those blokes who a bit more reserved and a bit more old school, a bit like your dad who would never sort of dream about that. What what sort of, um, yeah, what, what what's your view on masculinity in different ways? Which What's an other ways you can show it uh, other than that? I think there's a, a really big uh, issue with the term toxic masculinity. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to clear up that, at least I believe, masculinity is not toxic at all but just like there is like there's great like beef and then there's some like rotten beef too like 
there's parts of masculinity that aren't working for us, mm. you know, aren't working for the people around us. I mean, men have, like, I, I was part of this project last year that showed that 40% of teenage boys have thought about suicide. Bloody hell. Which is the most unbelievable number I've ever had. Um, and but moving beyond that, you know, uh, I think that a lot of the things that we associate with masculinity, like ego, uh, ego is great. You know, ego can push you to do things and to like to strive and to, you know, to achieve. But then there's like excessive ego, mm. you know, which is really bad. You know, uh, we've been talking about emotions, you know, there are times that holding your emotions in can be really helpful and healthy, you know, but then you do it too much and suddenly you're the, the dude with those suicidal thoughts, you know. Um, so it's firstly important to note that all the things that we often talk around, well, sorry, we're, we're recently discussing around masculinity can be great, you know, but the, the too, the too much of it, you know, the um, the excess of it, you know, I think we can all agree can be really bad. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what I really like to talk about is, you know, look, I grew up in really, really, like, in quotation marks, manly kind of belief, you know. Uh, I remember my, I had a conversation with you know, my dad, you know, where I asked him, what, what is a real man? You know, cause I'd heard the term being thrown around and he was just like, you know, when you got hairs on your chest, you're a man, <laughs> you know? Um, and the things that I was seeing was just like a ton of womanizing and mm. you know, belittling women and things like that. Um, so I would just challenge you know, a father to kind of look at, not, not even necessarily look at yourself, but just look at society in general and just say, what beliefs would I like my son to carry? You know, uh, if you have a daughter, what beliefs about men would I like my daughter to carry? Because she's going to be learning them from me. Mm. You know, um, and then go away and take literally 10 minutes, 10 minutes to change a lifetime. You know, 10 minutes of Googling just to find out what the end result of some of these things are. So uh, if you know, we look at masculinity around, um, uh, let's say, the domination of women, uh, and if we said, if we consciously said, well, I don't want my daughter to uh, think that me, that, that a man dominating a woman is okay, well, what does that look like on a really small scale? You know, because most of us aren't like in there telling our wives what to do and how to behave and where they should be and all those things, although the stats potentially say otherwise, but you know, most of us like decent dudes aren't doing that. Um, but we're making really small comments and really small things like we're not doing the dishes, like we're like we're modeling a certain behavior, you know? And so I think it all comes down to consciously choosing the kind of masculinity that we would like to model or instill and then finding really small ways 
to show that imperfectly. You know, like you cannot change 40 years of belief just by saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to try and be a better guy. And, you know, I don't even really believe this masculine stuff anyway. You know, like you, you can't, but you can just make really, really small decisions. Okay. I'm just going to do some more dishes while my child can see me doing those. You know, that's a really small thing that will have massive impact on my life. You know, um, I can say, okay, well, I am just going to try and uh, show my kids that a man can express joy, which is an uncommon thing. So the first interaction I have with my child, whether it's when they get up in the morning or come out of school, I'm just going to throw a massive smile on my face and be joyful to see them. And suddenly we are the dad that's breaking an enormous stigma around dads actively enjoying their kids, you know? Um, It's really, really, really small actions uh, that make huge impact. Uh, And in masculinity, um, some of the end results uh, can be really, really terrible, you know? So I I think actively and consciously thinking about those is a really great first step. Amazing. Just touching on masculinity there, I just really want to know how dads can sort of um, accept gender fluidity in young kids. I think out of all dads, you would be the dad to tell everyone how to do it <laughs> and how to be comfortable with it and how how to accept it and change your thoughts around it. Sure. Um, well, I guess let's start from like that changing the thoughts around it. You yeah, because I don't know about you, like I grew up in country Queensland, yeah. there are a lot of thoughts kind of thrown about, you know, anything outside of an extreme, extraordinarily binary world. <laughs> um, I guess the first question is, do you want your child to be themselves or do you just want them to not get bullied? Um, wow. Because if our entire life is just trying to get your kid to not be bullied, there is a whole lot of life they are going to be missing out on. Mm. But if you want them to be themselves, you know, then that's a totally different conversation. Now we can prepare for bad things that might happen. You know, we can also experience everything with them. So my son is a young boy who, uh, especially during a certain period, really loved things like dresses and you know, uh, all those sorts of things. And the big questions to me that I got from everybody in my life were, you know, aren't you afraid he's going to get bullied? I'd say, yes, of course. But wouldn't I also be afraid he's going to get bullied if he likes chess instead of football? Mm. Like if you know, he is a kid who likes the color purple, like, you know, um, there's plenty of reasons why kids will bully you, but we can prepare them for bullying. We can teach them resilience. We can teach them how to handle situations. So uh, once we've gone through that, you know, then I'd say because a lot of this comes from not so much how we're wanting to raise our kids, but how we're wanting to be perceived. You know, uh, a lot of the struggles that I had, it took me a while to realize that it wasn't that I was uh, really, in honesty, in like deep honesty, wasn't that I was afraid that 
these bad things are going to happen to my son, I was actually afraid that people might think I was less of a man, mm. you know, that I was not a good father, you know, that my parents might look at me, you know, and, you know, and say things that I might get stopped in the street, you know, who stopped someone in the street? I don't know. But these are things that I was honestly really afraid of, that I would lose my man card, you know? Um, and then I had to say, well, do I want my parents and the world to be proud of me or do I want my son to be proud of me? You know, um, oh, I would really like my son to be proud of me as a father. Okay, well, what does that look like? You know, um, so just in those really two simple questions, we're tackling you know, so much of that. And then we can really dive into the gender specific stuff. Okay, so you've already made the decision you would like your kid to be themselves, you know, and you've already made the decision, okay, well, it's less about uh, having the world, like, happy with me as a father, like, and I'd rather have the world, oh, sorry, I'd rather have my kid really pleased to have me as a parent. So now they're uh, potentially exploring something that is being culturally deemed the opposite sex or opposite gender, I should say. Maybe they're, you know, expressing themselves as gender fluid. You know, maybe they're trans, maybe they're non-binary, whatever. Okay, so firstly, how is this really impacting me as a person, you know, as a dad? What is the impact on me? In all honesty, there's not much. Like, not much changes except our expectation. You know, because we have a lot of them as parents. We don't talk about many of them, but we do. We, ha we have a lot of expectations for the things that they might be interested in. Yeah. For the, the school that they might go to, for the careers that they might have, and often for the identity that they will wield, you know, throughout their life. So if we let go of those expectations and we allow our kids to kind of tell us what those things might be, suddenly we can, we can see the enormous joy that comes from being yourself. I don't know about you guys, but like when I was a young man, my in the entirety of my personality could probably be defined as being as damn vanilla as possible so that I fit in, so that nobody made fun of me, so that everybody like thought I was cool. And that often looks like I just like the exact same stuff as everybody else. You like Iron Man? Me too. I like <laughs> Iron Man too. Like you like Top Gun? Yeah, me too. I wear aviators. Like you know, we're playing awesome. I love rugby. You know, and suddenly you're looking at it going, when you take a step back, oh, my, my personality is literally the same as everyone else, you know. But that's what being a man is, you know, oftentimes. That's how we've culturally defined it. You're kind of separating yourself from yourself until you're the same as everybody else. Um, and, um, but when you're raising a kid who is expressing their gender in different ways, suddenly it's all about like, being fully themselves and that doesn't fit into any of the expectations uh, or beliefs that we've grown up with. 
you know, suddenly it looks really different. And I, as a man, even without my son, I have often wondered what it would be like to live without that little nagging voice at the back of my brain when I want to do something like, oh, I, like when I wanted to become, when I wanted to go to a dance class, the very first time I wanted to go to a dance class, it was the voice in the back of my brain was, what's everybody else going to think about this? What is my rugby team going to think about this? Yeah. You know, what would life be like without that? Without that little voice stopping us doing all the things that we'd be interested in and enjoy and actually bring color to our lives. Yeah. Um, and suddenly you have a kid that's kind of forcing that upon you. Uh, and there's kind of two options that happen and most people choose the first option you know, 25% of uh, kids who are part of the LGBTQ community get disowned by their parents and kicked out and become homeless Jesus. You know, uh, you know, uh, most most men will choose the path of you know it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> so nope <laughs> you know, no thank you get back in your box wow that's uh, but there is an, another path and that's to kind of learn from, from your kids and see what, you know, what this thing might be. Maybe, you know what, that, that, that kind of like uh, politically incorrect term of it's just a phase, like maybe it is. Maybe it is just a little phase that they enjoy. Maybe it's a lifetime, but your kids will remember very definitely if you are somebody that they can trust with their innermost self, they will remember whether you're the parent who supported them when they were exploring. You're, they're going to remember if you're the parent who supported them when they, you know, were the boy who wanted to wear a dress, you know, when they're, you know, I didn't think this was a thing and a problem in 2022. I get messages every day from, parents who are told that their daughter shouldn't be playing sport because that's the boy. You know, if, if your daughter wants to play sport, you know, you know I, I see like yeah. this weird shaking head, like I didn't think this was still a problem. <laughs> Apparently it is. Yeah. Um, you know, so your kids are going to remember these things. And uh, like I have a decent relationship with my parents right now. I would like to have, a really great relationship when my son's the same age I am right now with, with him. You know, and the only way to do that is to be supportive of them, to allow them space to find themselves, uh, to trust them to find themselves like in that process. You know, and if that looks in some shape different around gender, you know, uh, then just maybe you can be the parent who uh, fully supports their kids and has this wildly, wildly connected relationship with them. Uh, and you'll discover a huge amount of joy in that too. Um, but like I said, most, most parents won't choose that in some way, often in really small ways. You know, not always in that big way, mm. um, uh, but connection you know, only comes from support and acceptance 
it doesn't come from obedience and it doesn't come from forcing someone into something. Like it comes from acceptance and love. And if you can show those things, then you just might have a chance of having a really good relationship with your kids in the future. Wow. <laughs> That's something. something else that I think I've got so much out of that. that yeah. I'm going to yeah. go home. And it's definitely territory that we haven't really covered as much no. on the podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, no, thank you for that insight. That's awesome. Really special, mate. Um, well, now we've had a, a, a really good chat, really good yarn around your fatherhood journey and um, your beliefs and your projects and things like that. And yeah. we really do appreciate you coming on and uh, and dialing in for and being very patient with us with our technical <laughs> difficulties throughout. Uh, but we'll finish off with something we like to do with our guests and when we don't have guests, uh, it's a bit of fun and it's the shit dad moment of the week. So let's bring that on. Shit dad moment of the week. I gotta know whose voice that is. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I'm the jingle guy. Not all of them are good. Um, <laughs> so shit dad moment of the week. We are. Uh, it's basically online with this podcast and we basically are normalising all our parenting mistakes. Nothing is off limits and we just say, tell us the shittest moment this week that happened that you sort of, if you weren't their parent, you'd probably laugh. <laughs> Do you have this a shit bad moment? Oh, anytime, mate, anytime. <laughs> any, any, oh, okay. Uh, I can definitely give you my favourite moment, which yeah. is, um, okay, so I was at the park uh, and ton- – I'm just going to millions of people surrounding the park, probably 12. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was pushing my son on the swing. Uh, and he was quite young, you know, and there was a mo- mother's group just nearby. And one of the mums stood up and come, came over to me and, and said to me, uh, don't you think he's a little bit small to be on this swing? You know, because he was quite young. And I don't know if you've ever gotten like, unsolicited advice from a stranger about your parenting. That's the best kind of advice. You, yeah, it doesn't make you want to follow it. Yeah. No. Uh, and so I immediately just like hairs on the back of my neck. Uh, and I was like, excuse me, my son is fine. And I pushed my son, like, is like, fine, push. <laughs> oh, no. And he flips out of the seat <laughs> and goes flying and lands. Um, and so then he's screaming, you know, uh, and so then I had to sheepishly go gather him up, like <laughs> comfort him, walking away from this mother's group, all looking at me as though I am the worst dad on the face <laughs> of the planet. You know, but the timing, you couldn't, you couldn't script a better timing of that happening. Yeah. Unbelievable. Could that, be like, this was your fault, lady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think your daughter's a bit too young for that attitude? <laughs> uh, that's awesome, Scott. I, uh, I had a shit dad moment this week, boys, and um, I think, as usual, recording day came up trumps. It's always <laughs> on recording day for some reason. But um, I, I had my daughter, Miss Five, uh, sorry, Miss Three, at home alone today uh, while the boys were at school, and um, I just had a gutful of 
the like she's I don't know what's going on at the moment. She's going through some changes and it's just constant whinging. It's whinge town. And uh, I, I just had a gut full of it. By the end of the day, I was cooking two two different dinners, a, a veggie version and a meat version. And I, I was just so focused on that that the kids were just playing in the background. I let it go. Um, but she took the, the spray bottle from under the kitchen and I was just like, whatever, how, how much damage can she do with water? I'm like, whatever. Um, but just at that moment, probably uh, 30 seconds later, the missus walked in the door from work and I was thinking to myself, if something happens, if something bad's going to happen with the kids, it's going to be now when the wife walks in and <laughs> it just that's just how it happened, exactly. And uh, exasperated, she goes, just looked at me and then looked at the daughter and she goes, why? And I was like, oh, for Christ's sake, what has happened? And she has decided to in quotation marks, clean her book. <laughs> so one of, one of uh, and my wife's a teacher, so she's like mad protective of all the books in the house. And uh, yeah, so she was cleaning her book and we asked her why she was doing it and she was cleaning it because she didn't want to read it. <laughs> so, needless to say, dad got a spray. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> Dave, you got one this week? Oh yeah, I do. Mine just, I came... A sick three-year-old. She had fevers all week. Um, went down to the chemist to pick up some, you know, some antibiotics. Got in the car. Really nice lady just in line just talking to us. And she asked, my daughter asked me for a treat. I'm like, no, no, I just bought a bubble gun, like, you know, a little gun just to get outside to do something different. I was like, no, you've already got that. Uh, she heard it just and she brought a little kinder. And I got distracted by this, you know, really random act of kindness and talking, to, you know, it's like we've got to share the love next time we go, blah, blah, blah. Put it in the car. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll have some chocolate. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Started driving off. Next minute, I was like, hey, Daddy, you didn't shut me in too good. Look. And just the straps. I clicked them in, but I didn't tighten it. Uh. So my sick three-year-old had enough and more, enough brains to go, mate. Flop, flopping around. Like you have not. You didn't. T- you, mate, while still eating the chocolate, you haven't strapped me in. And I'm like, oh, what a dickhead. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, mine this week was uh, mentioned it up front. We were at that farm stay, so a bunch of different families, and we joked around as you guys were leaving. Well, nothing, nothing too crazy happened. There was no no content for the pod, which is surprising. All those kids together, everyone was well behaved, and then uh, yesterday, after most of the families left, um, me and uh, one of the other blokes there went. Oh, I watched him fish, and I was chatting to him as he was fishing down by the creek. The kids were just kind of. Um, you know, digging around near in, near the dirt um, as we were there, a couple of meters away, in a bit of a conversation with this with this guy. All right, turn around, and I hear them go, "Look, we've we've uh, we've got we've created mud sunscreen." And I was like, "Oh god," because <laughs> the wives were also like up the top. <laughs> uh, they weren't there, and then she comes over to me. Absolutely oh, outstanding. Any, any bit of skin that was available <laughs> was covered in mud. <gasps> I love it. Like Predator, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Predator. That's it. Yeah. And so yeah. at that point, what do you do? You just all right, strip off, just yeah, go, f- you know, full full nude in the mud. So we've got some, oh, some cracking gold. shots there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just got oh, mud, mud all over them, and yeah, yeah, it was just a good time. So you got to let be kids sometimes. Pure shit, Daddy, and we love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that might uh, round us out, I think. Um, yeah. This, is, this has been a fantastic chat. Thank you so much, Scott. Um, 
anyone who's listening, obviously, we'd like to make sure you're telling your friend, telling your mates, give us a five-star review on wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to send in your shit dad moments to at shitdadpod on Instagram. Slide into the DMs there or shitdadpod at gmail.com. Um, but, Scott, anything else that you wanted to kind of uh, leave for any of the listeners, that anything you haven't covered or uh, you wanted to kind of uh, give any last bits of dad advice? Oh, I mean, I, I don't, <laughs> putting me on the spot. Um, I don't know. I think uh, one, of, one of my favorite things about uh, being a dad is the ability to suddenly be like five years old again, you know. Um, <laughs> and I think sometimes we uh, resist that a little bit, trying to be good parents. But I think sometimes we're really allowed to be fun parents too. Uh, so yeah, have a bit more fun this week. <laughs> nice, that's good. Great way to be one percent better. Great, sure. exactly. Yeah, Thanks, great man. advice. Uh, great to meet you, Scott, and we really appreciate it again. You too, guys. It was a pleasure being on. Thanks very Thanks, much, man. mate. Now uh, keep striving to make those relationships with your kids one percent more meaningful every week. Whether you take away something from our shit daddery or not, and remember, we're all in the same boat when it comes to fatherhood for the kids. <laughs>